This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System L-I-V-E Live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. Here we go across the NBA Global Network. Scott, how you feeling, my friend? I'm doing well, Colin. It, it feels like it's it's that time of the year again. You know, the, the games feel like they're, they're a little bit more interesting. There's a little bit more purpose to them now that we're at a halfway point. The MVP race is crazy. It's it's continuing to be crazy. And we're less than a month out from the trade deadline, and we're already getting rumors of teams, you know, being buyers, being sellers, some players available. Um, so it, it's a fun time in the NBA world right now. It is indeed. You mentioned the trade deadline. We'll talk a little bit about the most interesting teams to pay attention to as we approach February 10th, the day that the uh, league slowly stops and uh, waits for that 3 p.m. Eastern timeline, it seems like. And then maybe a little bit after. Some people still using fax machines out there. Uh, Luka Doncic has not been able to hit a jump shot uh, in a very long time, shooting sub 40% in his last uh, couple of games. But the Mavs, they're still hot. They're slowly creeping up the Western Conference standings. We'll talk a little bit about them. Uh, a ton of games on yesterday in uh, celebration of MLK Day. We'll get to those. But we start with a, a news line, storyline that just fell right into our laps this morning. Scott, how about the Lakers? Always the gift that keeps on giving. Um, Frank Vogel apparently coaching for his job after just winning the title a season and a half ago in the bubble. Probably one of the hardest titles to ever win. And he did it with the Lakers. And now he's on the hot seat. Uh, reports coming out of L.A. Uh, via Bill O'Ram and Sam Emick of The Athletic saying that Frank Vogel is being evaluated on a game-to-game basis. Um, I read that and I say his 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 days are numbered. Like the, when that report comes out, Short of like reeling off ten straight, that means that means it's over for Frank Vogel, right? So, wh- where do you sit on this, Scott? Is it too early? Uh, should he even be on the hot seat? Uh, you know, they just won a championship. It feels like they didn't even get a real chance to celebrate that ring. Um, but Frank Vogel on the hot seat so far, and and wh- what's your thoughts on the whole drama going on in LA? I, I think it's just he's the easy person to kind of pin the blame on, right? Like like the reality is that this was an imperfect roster coming into this season. And that's coming from someone who was relatively high on the Lakers, like that they were considered title favorites when you look at the odds going into the season. Uh, We had a chat on NBA.com about kind of tiering the teams. And we had them in tier one when we talked it through, basically just off the strength of, you know, we realized that the addition of Russell Westbrook was going to take some time to figure that out. It was going to be tricky. There were lots of questions. This team was old. But at the end of the day, they still had LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are, you know, two top 10 players in the league when they're firing all cylinders. And as long as they're still on the roster, you just assume that they're going to be great. That hasn't really happened. Um, I mean, look, this team has dealt with injuries. LeBron missed time at the start of the season. Anthony Davis has missed extended time lately um, with a knee injury. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played a single game this season. We can basically go up and down the roster, and some and everyone basically at this point has missed some time. And it's easy to kind of laugh it off and be like, oh, well, how much difference is Kendrick Nunn going to make? But they use their taxpayer mid-level to, to sign him. He's going to be an important addition off their bench, all these kind of things. So when you look at all that, there's a lot going on with the Lakers, and it, it and it is hard for me to blame it on one person. 
but the reality is it, it kind of feels like this is the way that the se- like things go in the NBA, right? If a, if a team doesn't live up to expectations or disappoints, it's usually the head coach who gets the blame. Um, and really, unless you're in the day-to-day of a team, it's really hard to know how much of an impact they're having um, and all these things. But in that report, it did say that the the front office or the team is, you know, monitoring if Vogel has lost that locker room, um, which again is, is something that we can't see on the outside looking in. But if that's the case, obviously that would that would be a, a big deal to this Lakers team. Um, the the one thing with that, I mean, they they just haven't been great on either end of the court this season. Um, they're below average offensively, and they're also below average defensively, which has kind of been the identity of a Frank Vogel team throughout his entire NBA career. When you look at the Pacers, you mentioned that Lakers team that won in 2020. Um, that was a defensive-minded team primarily. So it, it I, I do find it hard to just blame this on one person. I think Vogel is the easy one um, to kind of point the finger at. But maybe this is just the Lakers being like, look, this season hasn't gone to plan. There's a lot of reasons for it. Um, but hope that, I don't know, a change in voice potentially. Because like you, it does see it, it does to me seem like when news like this drops, it only seems like a matter of time. Yeah, and and, and Scott, I'll say this. This does absolutely suck for, for Frank Vogel. As I said, I, I do believe that it, you know, his days are numbered in L.A. Once you know stories like this come out, it's only a matter of time. But he never really got any you know job security from the team, even from mm-hmm. day one. If you remember back when he was hired, he was not the first choice. He wasn't a one choice for the Lakers. They kind of just sort of ended up with him uh, at, at a process of elimination. When he did you know uh, get the job, it was only on a three year deal to start, which you know is a short term considering the fact that this is a team that wants to have some stability at that position, uh, given the fact that LeBron James has, has a championship window that everyone keeps to say that it's it's closing at, at some point in time. You want a coach that's going to get in there, put their system in place, and, and try to win as many rings as you possibly can. Three years is not a long time to get that done. When he won the championship in 2019, you would think, oh, okay, he solidified himself as the guy now, and they only gave him a one-year contract extension um, in that offseason. So, I, I mean... It feels like he was just a placeholder from the start, and now we're in a situation where the team is is, is gravely underachieving here, um, and to no fall of his own. He didn't build this roster. like he, He's just playing with the hand that is dealt with him. He didn't expect Anthony Davis to miss a chunk of time, and even when Anthony Davis was playing, he didn't expect him to play uh, you know, like the number 50th ranked player in the world rather than a top 10 player that we know he can be. So... I know, Frank Vogel is getting a raw deal in this situation. It's it, it's it really sucks to be in the position that he's in. Uh, Granny he is getting played handsomely, so I, I I would I would take that role and and you know get the paycheck. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, you know this this isn't the way that uh, you know I'm sure Vogel would like to see it play out. It feels like it's only a matter of time before they replace him here because uh, it's not like the Lakers are going to rip off ten straight, right? Like they don't have the team to do that. Uh, and it, and as you said, maybe they're losing the locker room. Maybe he's already lost it. If he's already lost it, this is not a team that's going to rally around this report that did come out. Um, so now it's time to kind of move forward and 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 figure out. Well, if the Lakers do, you know, can Vogel, what do you do next? Where where do you go with your your head coaching uh, spot if you're the Lakers? 
And also, that reminded me when you were talking about Vogel, it's not like he was some unknown going into LA, right? Like, he's had a very good track record. Um, I think it was Orlando. Those teams were not very good. But Pace is like, they were were a tough team. Um, And they they gave LeBron some trouble in the Eastern Conference for a few years. So They pushed him a a seven-game series as a a head coach with a Pacer team that if you went back and you looked at just that roster and you said to yourself, this team pushed the uh, the Heatles, you know, to, to seven games in the Eastern conference you'd be scratching your head to say you know how, how is this possible yeah and the lakers have an interesting stretch coming up that they, they, they play they host the paces on wednesday and then they go on a six game road trip and they have a couple easier outings in that they play orlando um i wouldn't consider atlanta an easy team but they haven't been a good team this season but you know the, the mm-hmm. trey young whatever it is that the, the, they can be a tough out but they've got to play the heat the nets the 76ers they've also got like a feisty hornets team that they're going to play so this this report comes at a very interesting time um and a telling stretch for the lakers but to answer your question i mean it it's interesting i feel like most of the people who would be mentioned as potential replacements in these situations have been hired um recently but i think the the two easy the two names that are going to jump out if vogel is fired to replace him at least on an interim basis is probably david fisdale and phil handy um they're both assistant coaches on the lakers so that that's just an easier transition they're familiar with all the players um they're familiar with the roster kind of the 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 dynamics and all that kind of stuff but more importantly, they both have what seems to be like a good relationship with LeBron James. Um, and we all know that that always matters, having a good relationship with the best player in the franchise and one of the greatest players in, fran- in NBA history. So I, I think those are the two names that jump out to me just right off the bat. Um, but I mean, who knows? The, the Lakers job is always going to be one that's going to get a lot of interest around the league. A lot of different play- people are going to put their name in the hat. Um, so if and when that does happen, it's going to be interesting to see kind of the names that bubble up. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see it, and I'm with you. I think uh, Fizdale's probably the name that uh, we'll start to hear that uh, will replace Frank Vogel, at least on an interim basis um, as as we move through the season. I know I'm sounding like he's already gone, folks. I, I realize that, but you know the, the writing feels like it's a little bit on the wall there. Uh, I am pulling for him, though. I do I do hope that he's able to turn this around and you know uh, silence the critics and, and go on a little bit of a run here, but it doesn't seem likely. All right, let's talk about something a little bit more positive. Yesterday, um, in my opinion, the most important day on the NBA calendar is always MLK Day. I know people kind of... Um, you know, get excited about the Christmas Day schedule. Opening night always brings, uh, you know, a ton of interest. All-Star Weekend is always cool. But for me, MLK Day really has a special uh, meaning, um, you know, obviously behind it. But uh, as the NBA's relationship grows on that day, uh, I really do get excited about some of the games and also, you know, hearing some of the stories from some of the players that are, are in this league, whether it's, you know, looking back on years past and hearing about the struggles that, you know, their family members have ever been through or, um, you know, the progress we've made as a society um you know in in the image of mlk um i i really enjoy it and uh i saw the austin rivers piece on inside the nba last night um you know really touching um you know him talking about his life and 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 the importance he has a martin luther king tattoo on his leg uh he he spoke about that and the meaning of, of that and it, it was just a really well done piece uh, from the folks at Turner. So shout out to them for that. Um, but on the floor itself, Scott, um, you know, what, what was the most impressive performance uh, that you saw out of the, what did we have yesterday? T- 10 games, 11 games mm-hmm. on, on the sked? It was a busy 12, slate. 12 and, games. Yeah. 12 games. Yeah. It was a busy slate. And to your point, the Christmas day is always fun, but it's, it's well, five games and they're back to back to back to back. 
Uh, the, nice, the, the fun thing about like yesterday's slate is there's so many games that are going on throughout the day, but there's also games overlapping. So, you know, you, you get those league pass alerts. You can jump in and watch the final two minutes of a close game here, then jump back to the other one, watch the Hawks come back against the, the Bucks and things like that. So it's, it's always a, a, a fun slate of games. I, I, to answer your question, I think there's a few players who deserve kind of a shout out here. Uh, Miles Bridges got the day started with a monster game against the Knicks. He had a 28 point first half, finished with a career high 38 points. He is a most improved player candidate this season, continues to play really well. And he did that without Lamelo Ball, who was a late scratch um, for an illness, I think it was. And they, 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 I mean, the Knicks haven't been that great this season, but it was they. I think it, they had won like five straight at home going into that one. So that was a good win for the Hornets. Darius Garland, we've talked about him a couple times on this podcast this season so far. He had 22-12 and 12 in a win over the Nets, who were without Kevin Durant, but they had Kyrie Irving and James Harden. He's just been fantastic lately, continues to make an all-star push. Um, he is going to get a close look as a reserve um, when that day comes for the coaches. Nicholas Batum, a 32-point second half and a win over the Pacers. Um, I, I think he only joined like a, a few players this season. I think it was Steph Curry, Giannis, and Jalen Brown as the only players with a 30-point half <laughs> this season, uh, which is it's funny. That would be a good trivia question at the end of the season. Um, but in terms of the best performance of the day, I, I'm going with Devin Booker. Um, he had 48 points in a win over the Spurs. That's a game that you the, the Suns should win on paper. Um, but Booker's been absolutely terrific lately since coming back from the injury. He scored 30-plus points in six of his last 11 games. Um, we, we've talked a lot about All-Stars. One of those guard spots is pretty open in the Western Conference. He's making a big push for it. Um, but, I mean, Booker's a proven player at this point. Two-time All-Star. We saw what he did in the playoffs, saw what he did in the finals. And if the Suns team is going to make another push at a title, it's going to be him taking another step. Um, and he's just been absolutely fantastic lately. So lots of good performances yesterday, but I, I kind of sided with Booker on this one. Yeah, Devin Booker's been you know spectacular this season. Quietly, um, I saw I saw I think it was John Schumann the other day tweet um, a, a picture or a, a, a video of him just defending uh, and at the high mm-hmm. level, and he doesn't get he doesn't get the the credit that he deserves on that end of the floor. I don't think he was ever labeled as a bad defender. Oh, he but, was. You know, he was because yeah, the, 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 the numbers back. were. The numbers were awful for him for a while, so it was one of those things where people pointed to that. And look, he played on some really bad Suns teams, and he was like their only offensive weapon. So his role was to kind of go out there and carry them there. So it's not a huge surprise that he didn't bring it every single night defensively. But no, I I saw that too, and I think it was like the first possession of a game against the Pistons, I believe it was. Um, No disrespect to the Pistons, but for for Devin Booker to be going all out that early in a game against the Pistons, it it does speak to the buy-in from him uh, and just everyone on that roster. Yeah, I think there's no difference between you know you know the label that we throw out often is you know okay this guy's a bad defender this guy's a horrible defender a couple clips yeah yeah you could pick out uh, you know you you maybe even Dennis Rodman I'll throw him out there there's probably clips that you could pick out of him you know taking a, a possession or two off and throwing them on social media and saying oh this guy you know isn't giving the effort that you know he he really should be giving on a defensive end you know how hard it is to play defense for an entire game like <laughs> most of you listening that play pickup don't even play defense at all and and for you to sit there on your computer to say all right this guy doesn't play defense at a high level uh for an entire 48 minute basketball game uh, a little bit different but i, I think now and, and you mentioned he was on some horrible teams so i think now that he has some solid defenders around him he's never going to get to the point where you pick on him and that's to me where you get in the bad defensive category like when other teams are picking on you not only in the regular season but in the playoffs that's where that's where the difference is and and i think i don't think booker's ever been in that category of uh you know poor defenders 
I'm with you. Um, and, and a lot of it is, is effort as well, right? That's not everything um, defensively, but there's definitely more effort being exerted on that end of the court. It's also because he just doesn't have to do as much offensively as he used to, right? Like, obviously, he's still their leading scorer, the number one scoring option on offense. But having Chris Paul take some of that playmaking burden off of him, DeAndre Ayton making that jump, doesn't have to do quite as much offensively anymore. So he can expend a little bit more energy defensively. And we've, we've talked a ton about the Suns in the past, but they're just a fantastic all-around team. All right, I'm going off the board with my uh, big performer from MLK Day. I'm going with Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, 17 okay. points, 10 rebounds. He shot 54% from the field, 57% from three. Um, he, he had some decent moments in the playoffs last year uh, when they when you know the the Mavs were pushing the Clippers in that first round series and uh, you know he just doesn't have it consistently though um, but over the last couple of games he's, he's he's finding the stroke and he gets into these zones where he it feels like everything he throws up from three is going in and the Mavs need that right like they need mm-hmm. that secondary consistent score especially uh, you know with, with Tim Hardaway you know shooting as poorly as he has uh, this season so um, you know, Hardaway had a decent night from three point range yesterday. He went forty two percent, but you know, from the field, he shot twenty eight percent. Scott, like, the, like mm-hmm. and there's a lot of nights like that uh, for Tim Hardaway Jr. That's why he's coming off the bench, and uh, they've inserted uh, Jalen Brunson into the starting lineup. So, um, you know, that that leads me to the Mavs here because I, I do think that they're sneaking up on everybody. They're fifth place in the Eastern Con- in the Western Conference. Rather, they would love to be in the East. I'm sure they're fifth place in the Western <laughs> Conference. Uh, and this is with Luka Doncic um, not finding the range at all. Yesterday, he had another great game, triple-double for him, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists. Here's what he shot from the field, Scott. 23.5% from the field, and he was 0 of 6 from three-point range. Uh, he's not, you know, the numbers are there, right? Like the, the, the Luka numbers, if you just see the counting stats, they're there, but efficient, you know, efficiency is – he is having his – I need to look it up. It feels like he's having his worst shooting season of all time, right? Like the, the, this is this is the worst he's played in the league. Granted, it's only you know a couple seasons in, but this is the, uh, by far the worst he's shot from the field. Certainly since his rookie season, there's, there's yeah. no doubt about that. Um, look, the interesting thing about Luca, yes, he's not scoring like he usually does. But it's funny if you if you pull up the Dallas Mavericks schedule on ESPN for every single game, they have the highest point scorer, highest rebounder, and highest assists. Luca's name is all over that. And that just speaks to, you know, yes, he's not shooting well right now. He is struggling to score the ball. He still grabs a ton of rebounds, still dishes out a ton of assists. We don't need to talk about how good of a passer he is and the way that he kind of just plays games with defenses. But he's basically averaging a triple-double since his return um, from, from missing some time with COVID. This Mavericks team is quite interesting, though, because the, the last couple seasons, they were an offensive-minded team. Uh, sure. Last season, they ranked eighth in offensive efficiency and 21st in defensive efficiency. And that's basically flipped to this point of the season. They're 18th in offense and fourth on defense, which I, when I looked at it today, I knew they were good defensively. I didn't know they were fourth in the league good. I think that's going to raise a lot of highbrows. And Jason Kidd kind of talked about that aspect of this team after their win against the Thunder. You know, this team doesn't need to score necessarily 120, 110 points every single night to win games. They can grind it out defensively. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, if you're an optimist about the Mavericks right now, it's it's been a bit of a weird season for them to this point. But if they're this good defensively, I mean, if it, Luke is going to be better offensively, right? Like, it's only a matter of time until some of the shots start to drop for him. We're talking about one of the best all-around scorers in the league, a guy who can hurt you in so many different ways. 
Um, you would think that Tim Hardaway Jr. will shoot better as the season goes on. Jalen Brunson has been fantastic lately. Right. And there was a report yesterday, I think it was, saying that he's he's looking for a four-year, was it $80 million contract as a free agent in the offseason? And I mean, <laughs> he he's going to get it. I, I really do think he is. Like He's one of the best. He was one of the best backup um, point guards in the league. Now he's been inserted into the starting lineup. He's been good for like 16, six assists, four rebounds for uh, for the last like 10 plus games. Uh, he complements Luka Doncic really well as like a secondary ball handler, another shooter, a guy who can make plays off the dribble. And, and Porzingis has had his moments this season. You know, it, it did feel like everyone was writing him off at the start of the season again when he was struggling. He really, really came along um, before he missed extended time with COVID. And he's had a couple good games since returning. So this Mavericks team has been very up and down, but they're very interesting. And if they're going to keep picking up wins while Luka Doncic is just not scoring and really struggling to score the ball, I mean, it's it's scary to think kind of the, what they could be lo- looking like at the end of the season. Because the, the West, we've talked about this a lot before. I, I think it's fair to say, you know, the, the, the Suns, um, the Warriors are at the top. The Jazz have had a bit of a rough stretch lately, but they, they're in that mix as well. And then it's pretty open. No disrespect to the Grizzlies. They've proven themselves to be that like third or fourth team. Um, but it, it, it does feel kind of open in that middle there. Um, and the Mavericks right now are making push for that that kind of fourth or fifth spot. So um, it, it does feel like they're only going to they should only get better. Yeah, J- Jason Kidd, though, does have a, a little bit of a track record of putting in a system defensively in his first year in town and making it work. If you remember back, not the, the Brooklyn night, the, the Brooklyn, t- uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. tenure of his career, but you look back at the Milwaukee years of his career. When he first arrived in Milwaukee, he had a very young team that just could not defend at a high level and just didn't have any defensive minded players playing a lot of minutes on that team. Giannis is very early in his career, he's 20 years old. Um, you know, Jabari Parker's there he's never been known for his defense oj mayo was there never been known for his defense brandon knight forget about it uh michael carter williams i I don't know you could toss it up um you know and then you fight chris milton we're still trying to figure out uh what he is as an nba player and you know using those guys he was able to have a top five defense in the league uh or around the top five defense in the league they could not score but they they were up there um and then as the years went on you know that that's that was sort of kind of the reason why he, he was Ken, and then they brought in a, a Mike Boonhoser. Boonhoser was brought in, right, to to get their offense up to speed because their defense was there, but they just couldn't mm-hmm. score in the playoffs, right? They couldn't they couldn't beat anybody uh, and, and kind of unlock Giannis to, to get him to that next level, which he did. So, um, you know, maybe this is the same situation where you laid a defensive foundation down in Dallas, uh, and then to, I, I guess to change around history – Jason Kidd has to find either within himself or uh, a staff that could create some level of offense that will be able to unlock Luka and take him to the next level. Because we know Luka individually is a great player, and he makes others around him better, but you want to make life a little easier for Luka, especially in the postseason. Because he gassed out last year uh, in that seven-game series against the Clippers. There's no question in my mind he gassed out. I mean, he... he the load that he carries. I mean, he does everything. He's good for 30 points a game a night. Among the league leaders in assists, his usage is one of the highest in the league. Like, he just does absolutely everything. Um, and it's a good point what you said about kind of Kidd and his tenure in Milwaukee. I think it is concerning that the Mavs are 18th on offense, to be quite frank. Like, that, they, this was, I think they led the league in offensive efficiency 
two seasons ago, and as I said, they were eighth last season. Um, you would think that you basically roll the ball out with Luka Doncic on your team, and you should have at least an above-average offense. Um, I, I just think, you know, when you consider that they have missed time, Porzingis has missed time, Doncic has missed time, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. hasn't been able to get his shot to drop after a career year, it, it just does feel like eventually that will come around. Like, I, I don't know if they will be you know, top 10, top five again. But if we're looking at a top 10 defense and like 10th on offense, maybe that's kind of more of the mix that this Mavs team needs to kind of break through that first round um, and really make some noise in the Western Conference. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, figure things out. Things need to be different in the playoffs. That's the bottom line. We need to see Luka Doncic win one playoff series uh, this year. Otherwise, I I feel like people are going to start to to have that that rumblings on can Luka win, can Luka win. And uh, I mean... This year, I don't expect much out of them. Uh, you know, it's not like they expect a deep run, but this offseason will be big for for the Mavs. They do have a couple decisions to make um, in the offseason. All right, uh, middle of the season, trade deadline. Um, that is like a holiday for most people in the NBA, honestly, <laughs> when we look at it. Uh, February 10th is the date, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we're counting down the days over at NBA.com. Um the most interesting teams heading into the next a uh, little bit under a month here, Scott, in your opinion, are who? I, I wrote something for Sporting News today kind of detailing the, the six teams that I think are the most interesting. There's some obvious candidates there. The 76ers, all eyes are going to be what happens on Ben Simmons. Does this team really keep him beyond the trade deadline and carry this into the offseason knowing that you know Ben Simmons is reportedly comfortable kind of just sitting this whole season out if need be? Um, and potentially, I don't want to say waste, but Joel Embiid is having another dominant MVP caliber season. He's been fantastic lately. We know his injury history. You don't want to kind of take that for granted, um, his health and everything like that. So the 76ers are an obvious, obvious one. So are the Hawks. I feel like they've already made one move trading Cam Reddish to the Knicks. That feels like the start of, of more to come. We know this team made the Eastern Conference Finals last year in a surprising run. They're outside of the playing picture right now. They have a fantastic player in Trey Young, um, but clearly what they have is not working. So they feel like a candidate that's going to be very active in trade talks. Uh, to me, like the most interesting team is the Warriors because they they have the uh, they've been fighting back and forth with the Suns for the best record in the league all season long. Stephen Curry has tailed off a little bit lately, but he's he got off to an MVP caliber start. They just got Clay Thompson back. Draymond Green has been fantastic defensively. This team looks like it's quite clearly a title contender. And yet, if they wanted to, they could put together a very compelling package for another star um, without even touching their core. And I I think the safe bet is that they're just not going to do anything because, or nothing big, nothing drastic, because again, they've been fantastic this season. I think they are title contenders. They're built very well for the future as well. When you look at James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, Jordan Poole, guys that they would have to trade, I think, to get that other star. Um, So right now they're in a good position both this season and beyond. But just the possibility of them being like, you know what? We're going to go all in on this court, this title window right now and put all the things that we have and get another start to make the most out of this. Uh, I, I do think they're the most interesting team to watch kind of in these next few weeks. Yeah, um, I don't think the Golden State Warriors are going to do anything. And I, if I was them, I wouldn't. Uh, I think I know I know that, you know, Steph Curry isn't getting any younger. And I know that, you know, after you spent, um, you know, almost two seasons without Clay Thompson or two seasons without Clay Thompson, you start to think to yourself, uh, you know, do we do we wait on this thing? You know, when you have a championship opportunity or a championship team, do you just have to go for it? And and because sometimes those never come back. 
but I would wait if I were them because we still need to see this team. We haven't seen this team healthy yet, um, and I don't think we will see them fully healthy with enough time to judge how good they are by the trade deadline, so I would wait. Um, the team that I find most interesting, Scott, is a team that no one really pays attention to until it's time to see them in the playoffs, and that's the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, they, they have made the playoffs now. Uh, in I think it's five straight seasons. As you said, they're gonna they're gonna continue that streak. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell is an incredible player. Uh, obviously capable of you know having big scoring out, outbursts in you know in a in a big time spot when you need him. Rudy Gobert, one of the best defenders we've seen of this generation. Uh, they made the big trade for Mike Conley, thinking that that would take them over to the top. It hasn't. Uh, the offseason acquisition of Rudy Gay and um, you know, uh, uh, Hassan Whiteside, that's not going to move the needle, right? Like people aren't really paying attention to this team. And they were, you know, kind of in that mix with the Warriors and Suns to start the year uh, where they were fighting and, and, and could have had a shot at getting that first number one overall, overall seed this season. They've s- slowly started to slip down the standings here. They're, they're six and ten or six and uh, four and six, rather, in their last ten games. Um, and I know stuff is going on there in Utah, but it feels like they need something to kind of, you know, get their juices going again uh, on that team, and 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 for the rest of the league to kind of take them seriously. And I don't, I'm not saying this is a, you know, a go out and get Ben Simmons. That's not. I, I don't think they need that type of trade, but I do think that they need to get that secondary score, that secondary. Um, you know, playmaker that could help Donovan Mitchell in the postseason. They tried that with Mike Conley. That's not. It's not. That's not it. Um, Rudy Gay is not it. I, I think they need to make that move for a Harrison Barnes or um, you know maybe maybe a Buddy Heal. Uh, I think they need to pull the trigger on something that will get uh, you know a playmaker in Utah to get them going once again. We know how great Donovan Mitchell is. We know what Rudy Gobert is defensively, uh, and and they have a great fan base and and I think a good coach. I think they need one more ingredient for us to kind of pay attention a little bit to take them seriously come this postseason. Mike Conley has been great for them. I mean, he, he was an all-star reserve yes. last season. His numbers are down yes. a little bit this season, but he's still a really good, like, secondary tertiary playmaker, fantastic shooter. Um, he, he does kind of fill in a lot of gaps for that Jazz team. But in saying that, to your point, it it does feel a lot of the times, like, when push comes to shove, it's it's give the ball to Donovan Mitchell and we live or die by whatever he does. Right. Um, so if, if there is someone like Harrison Barnes, who can, he can shoot, he can make a play for himself. He can score in the post, add a little bit more dy- uh, versatility to them offensively. Cause they, they do. I mean, they're a really deep team, right? Like they, they've got one of the best starting fives in the league. You look at their bench, they got Jordan Clarkson, um, Joe Ingles, Hassan Whiteside has been good for them this season. Rudy Gay, like they go nine, 10 deep. Um, is this a team that kind of, you know, trades some of that depth in for for someone, whether it is six man or that that fourth or fifth starter, who can add something a little bit more that they need? Um, I don't know. I, I I'm still the, the, this recent stretch has been weird. They were out without Rudy Gobert for a long period of it though, and for anyone wondering if if Rudy Gobert questioning his his defensive player of the year. Um, awards or what he brings to them on that end of the floor. Just look at what look at that stretch without him, how they performed. Um, my only concern is depending on who you add. If you add another buddy, if you add a buddy healed, for example, there is already so much pressure on Rudy Gobert defensively. Um, I, I feel like that's just going to add more pressure to him. Like they, they they need a little bit more versatility on the defensive end, especially on the perimeter. 
Um, guys who can keep their player in front of them, take a little bit of that load off of Rudy Gobert. Um, I, I just don't think the answer is, you know, loading up more offensively because this team is already fantastic offensively. Um, but it, it does feel like maybe there is another move to make because this is this is the hardest place to be, right? Like this team is is fantastic. They, they win 50 games a season easily. They're a top four team in the West. They feel like a, a safe bet to to be like a second round team. But how do you get over that hump to be not just one of the best teams in the West, but a team that can make the, a run to the finals, beat the Suns in the series, beat the Warriors in a series. Um, it, I mean, it's it's the hardest jump to make in the NBA. Yeah, and it's it, and it's interesting too, Scott, because it, it's not like I'm not saying it's time, uh, you know, to blow it up either, right? Like Donovan Mitchell's 25 years old. You're going to build around him for a very long time. The problem is that your second best player, Rudy Gobert. Um, is not getting any younger. And it feels to me like his game is not going to age as gracefully as it may if he was uh, LeBron James. Uh, well, no one's game ages like that. But there, there yeah, is going to be there's going to be a steep decline, I feel like, at some point uh, with what he brings to the table both on, on both ends of the floor um, once, once he starts to kind of slow down a little bit. And you, you don't want to be stuck with a player like that um, not not stuck with the player. Let me let me take it back. You don't want to have uh, one of the greatest players, defensive players of the generation, and not give him a real shot at, at making a run because the Jazz haven't made a real run at the championship yet with this uh, core of, of Mitchell, Gobert, and well, I, I'm not even gonna throw Conley in them, but uh, Mitchell, Gobert, and Quentin Schneider. Um, they just haven't had a, a shot yet. And granted, it was early in Mitchell's career, but now feels like the time where he's ready to take that step. Um, he's had those playoff failures. He's learned those lessons. Gobert's in the prime of his career. And now feels like the time to really give him that one more piece that, that's going to take them over the top. And you mentioned how deep they are. So, sometimes that doesn't matter in the postseason. Like, you can only play five guys. So, and, and, some, and some teams go short and bench to, you know, seven. So um, depth really helps in the regular season. In the playoffs, it, it, versatility helps more in the playoffs than depth. Um, you know, it, it's great to have different types of lineups, but the Jazz, I don't know if they have that versatility. They have depth, but I, I don't know if they have like different types of lineups that they could go out there and beat you with. And so that depth is, is wasted for me, you know, because there's going to be reduced minutes for our Joe Ingles. And then at that point, you know, why not give him up for another, you know, asset or two um, to, to try and take you over the top? So. It's just my opinion on the on the Jazz. I do think that they're an interesting team. More than likely, will probably stay status quo because that's what they've done, you know, for, for my lifetime. I don't think they've ever made a, a huge huge move other than you know, um, you know, the Darren Williams stuff. Uh, but you know, again, that he he kind of forced his way out of town. So I don't know that I, I think the Jazz are just a conservative team and are going to stick with what they have and and hope that they stay healthy. And that that to me is just isn't good enough. It is a good point. You, you kind of talking about the depth and the, the need for versatility and how that's more important. It made me think of the 2019 Raptors when they won the right. championship. I mean, we it does feel kind of like people gloss over that team as being like, oh, they got lucky with some of the injuries that faced. They were fantastic on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, not just Kawhi Leonard going absolutely berserk in that run. But, you know, you, you have that pass first point guard in Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam kind of took into form. They had one of the best center rotations in the league in Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. And they had guys off the bench in Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell who knew their role. And even when they had a rough series or a rough few games, um, they, they showed up in moments that mattered the most. And they, they really went like seven or eight deep in that entire run. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it is interesting when you think about the Jazz because, as I said, they, they do run about nine or ten deep. Um, and maybe, you know, do you give up a couple of those guys 
two or three of those guys to try and turn someone else in who can uh, would hurt your depth, but maybe that helps more in the postseason. So I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, they're a great team, um, but you know that there is a lot of pressure on them. I feel like to compete, to get further in the next couple seasons because they have fallen short in the playoffs the last few years. Um, that they're a little bit restricted. I think um, it, it's not going to be like easy for them to make a big move, but I, I do think they're going to be very interesting. That's a good point on your on your behalf. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with the Utah Jazz. The last time uh, they made the NBA Finals, they went back to back years with NBA Finals appearances and lost to uh, arguably the greatest player to ever play the game. Uh, all right, that's all we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we have for you this week here on NBA Sound System. Uh, if you've missed any part of the show, you can go find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just type in NBA Sound System, subscribe, rate, and review five-star rating helps us out a ton that review even leaving us a, a review helps us out a ton to just uh get more listeners involved and create this community that we're trying to create here uh in the nba world uh so for scott rafferty i'm carlin gay we'll see you back here on a live show 1 p.m eastern time noon or 10 a.m rather pacific time uh, and if you missed any part of the show nba sound system wherever you get your podcasts enjoy your week and we will see you next Tuesday right here on NBA Sound System.